0: Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about us or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3. I got a lot I wanna cover. I've got some important things. You know, you don't know this but I've got some very important things about our future that I intend to share right here in this room that are going to help us move in a very positive and aggressive direction together as a church. So let's lay the groundwork through the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 3. Paul said this in verse number 6, just two verses. He said, I have planted... Apollos watered, but God is the one that made it grow. God gave the increase. And he doesn't want you and I to get it twisted. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth. But the only person getting the glory and the credit out of what happens, it's God that gives the increase. I want to preach for a few minutes on this. Let's grow something together. Let's grow something together here at New Grace. To depict spiritual growth, Paul uses a universal principle that everybody in the reading audience would be familiar with. He uses the principle of planting, watering, and increase And this principle, it works with any kind of seed you have. If you plant a seed and you water that seed, eventually in the right conditions, germination will take place and that seed will give increase. It will grow into the plant that it was supposed to. You don't have to have a degree in horticulture or experience in farming or even be a botanist to understand the lessons that are presented in our Bible. That God's Word conveys over and over the idea of seed being used to illustrate how you and I invest our life in order to make something grow. Primarily, we say it a lot around here. Most people in the circles of Christianity will say the same three things. There are three kinds of seed that are used for investment that God puts into the bag. There is the seed of time. I want everybody to say that with me. Time. Everybody say that with me. Time. One of the seeds that God gives you and I is the seed of time. Now, the thing about time is you can't make any more of it than you already have. And every time you invest a seed of time somewhere, you'll never get it back. It doesn't mean that it's not fruitful, it just means that the day you were born, the hourglass turned over and the sand and the seed just started rolling. For some of us, it'll be 20 years. For some of us, it'll be 80 years. No man knows, but one thing everybody in this room's got in common, right now you're alive and one day we'll all be dead. We have that in common. And life, even if it's 100 years, James said it's but a vapor. It's here one day, you open your eyes and it's gone the next day. It's that quick. And that's a seed God gave you. Everybody's got some. Not everybody has the same amount, but you've got time that you get to invest. The second thing is talent. I want you to say that word with me, talent. There's another seed that God puts in your bag called talent. There's probably a lot of words we could use to say that. Maybe talent isn't the fairest word we could attribute to such a thing, but your talent, so to speak, is What you got to work with, it's a combination of your personality, your experience, your ability, your gifts, the tools, the resources that you have, and it's your talent. And the reality is this. We live, we die, and then we stand in front of God, and He looks at the seed of our talent and says, what'd you do with it? I equipped you. I hardwired you. I gave you a specific genetic code. I let you be exposed to several things, and I let you be educated in certain systems, and I gave you all of this so that you could use the seed of talent. And the question is, is, did you use it for me? There's another seed, and we'll talk all day about time, and we'll talk all day about talent, but there's another one called treasure. I want you to say that word with me, treasure. Treasure it's probably not a word you and I use unless we're absolutely fanatical about Pirates of the Caribbean and we think we got a whole lot of it. But money is something that God looks at as seed in the bag. Money is a seed that, well, you can actually make more of it. And you can get more of it. And you can continue to add more and more to your bag. And, and the reality is the older you get, the wiser you get, hopefully, and the more knowledgeable you get, The more creative you become and you figure out how to add more and more of that seed to the bag. God has an expectation. Any seed that he allows to be put in our life, the Bible's pretty clear. God wants you and I to do something with it, whether it's time, it's treasure, or it's talent. A lot of the Bible, sometimes the writer will lean on a metaphor or an analogy that speaks in a specific and sensitive way to the audience so that they can get the picture and concept conveyed in the lesson being taught or preached. In fact, money is actually many times used in the metaphor of seed, and they never say the word money. If you have an old King James English speaking bible it's not going to say money even your modern translators may still honor the metaphor and honor the the analogy of of seed and may not actually call it currency or may not call it a dollar they may not call it coin they may not call it paper they they may just call it treasure they may call it seed but many times what you and i see is an important context about how money is related to seed now a lot of people have said to me over the years, you know, I've, I've been at your church for a while or I've been at this church for a long time, I've been a member here for extra years and I can count on one hand how many times I've heard you talk about money. And I, I don't believe you've got to get up and, and, and try to per- persuade or convince or, or manipulate people into giving. My, my, my thing is this, it's between you and God at the end of the day. And money, money is not a hand thing, it's a heart thing. It really is. And I have found out if people just get their heart right and love Jesus, the hand will catch up with the heart. You don't sit there and browbeat people with a Bible and try to force them into some kind of man-made, manufactured mold and and tell them if they don't do this and God's going to do that. Just just teach people how to love Jesus, and the hand will follow the heart. I have found that to be true. (coughs) I have also found out that as an under-shepherd and a leader and a pastor that I'm accountable to preach the whole counsel of God. This isn't a golden corral buffet. I can't pick and choose what parts we talk about. Jesus talked about money a lot. In the Bible, in fact, in the New Testament is littered with a lot of principles, teachings, and a lot of concepts about how money in the New Testament is related to the idea of planting seed. And in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul in the second letter of the Corinthian church, tells them, I'm coming to your church, and I'll be taking up a collection for the saints, the believers at the church in Jerusalem. They're in need, and we're going to participate in this ministry. And sometimes the ministry takes money. And he sarcastically tells them in the beginning of chapter nine, I'm coming, and I know you're already prepared to give. He just laces it with sarcasm. He said, I know I know, you can't. You're chomping at the bit to do this. And isn't it funny? People hadn't changed after 2,000 years. <laughs> he, 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 just, he, he lays it out there and he says, here's some principles about money that, that, that you need to understand. If we want to grow something as the body of Christ within God's kingdom, we, we need to understand the principle of money in relation to seed. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11, but this I say, see, look at the analogy, he which soweth, talk about planting, that's another way of saying planting, he that sows sparingly will reap, this is is not planting, this is picking, you're harvesting now. You plant by sowing, and you pick by reaping. He that sows sparingly, well, you're going to reap sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. See, that's where it starts. It starts in your heart. As you purpose in your heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. Not that it's my duty. I got to. It's a law? No, not duty, desire, not got to get to, not law, but love. You see, you see, you see the contrast there. He said, "God loves a cheerful giver." Then he goes on to expound. He says, "God's able to make all kind of grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency and all." Th- God's always gonna make sure you got enough of what you need. He's saying, God's going to take care of you. He says, you'll abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Y'all stay with me. I promise you I'm going somewhere. Now, he, talking about God right here. He that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and will increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Very quickly, I want you and I to learn how to look at money through the lens of this scripture and see our financial investment as a seed that we're planting. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start looking at your money and my money not as the world teaches us, not, not as Wall Street teaches us, and not as a financial institution teaches, and not, not even as grandpa or daddy may have taught us, can we for a second open ourselves up to the authority of God's Word. If Jesus said it and Paul reinforced it, I would have to agree that they are the authority on these matters and not the opinion of the world. Can we look for a second as our financial investments that we make in this life, as they were supposed to be perceived as seed. Number one, I only have two points, rest assured. One, don't underestimate the size of a seed. He said, now, The God that supplies, that word ministereth means supplies. The God that supplies seed to the sower also supplies bread for your food and multiplies your seed sown. And that same God will increase the fruits of your righteousness. I wrote this down. The size of the seed is not a factor when it is God that supplies it to begin with. Can I say this very quickly? God is the great supplier. He is the supplier of all of my need. He is the supplier of all of my provision. And whatever I have to give was first given to me by God. When I came into this world, I came into it butt naked. And when I leave, I'm going to leave butt naked. Now, you can put me six foot under in a pine board box and throw a three-piece suit on me. But the truth is, whatever I have in my hand, it is not going with me. I came in without anything and I'm leaving without anything. So that means anything in the middle that gets a credit to my account, anything in my garage, anything in my closet, anything in our living room, anything on the floor, on the wall, or on the ceiling, anything I have, the only reason I got it is because the same God that put breath in my lungs, blood in my veins, and a beat in my heart is the same God that gave me what I need to live on this life. I wonder if there's any Bless people in the house that would say, I might not have everything that I thought I would have at this age but I do have shoes on my feet. I do have clothes on my back. I do have gas in the tank. Even though it's $10 a drop, I got here and I'm going to get home. Can somebody help me give God a praise if you know God is He is a supplier. And he says, I give you the seed, whether that be time, talent, or treasure. You got it because I gave it to you. God ensures we have seed to give and bread to eat. Therefore, the size of the seed is not a factor when God supplies it. But secondly, the size of the seed is not a factor when God multiplies it. Did you see what the verse said? The same God that gives you seed is the same God that multiplies the seed you give. Woo! Woo! I feel like a TBN preacher right here. Talk about money. <laughs> Ain't nobody walked out yet. God said, I not only supply it, but I multiply it. I wrote this down. God is able to make your seed matter through the process of multiplication. Because God, in his foreknowledge, sovereignty, and wisdom, created seed. Watch this, ladies and gentlemen. He created seed with the built-in cycle to multiply. You take a seed, you plant that one seed and then years later you get a tree. And after that tree is increased and grown, then you get fruit. When the fruit falls from the tree, the fruit bears and yields seed. And the process starts over and the cycle repeats itself. A seed produces a tree. A tree produces fruit. And the fruit produces seed and the process starts all the way over again. I wrote this down. God provides you with something small. But even though it's small, it can still produce big results. One minute with your kid can make more difference in the evening than eight hours with the school system. One attempt to use your talent and gift in this church can mean more to somebody and change a soul and change a life than you ever imagined. And one dollar in God's hand can go further and go higher and go greater and go deeper than it ever can in your hand. See, a lot of times we think that we can do something with it, with the power of our own wisdom, but the reality is we don't ever see it multiply until we're willing to turn loose of it. Do you remember when Moses stood before God and he had that stick in his hand, and as long as that stick was in his hand, it wasn't nothing but a dead stick, but when he turned it down and let it go, it became a living, breathing serpent on the ground. What was God teaching Moses? In your hand, it's nothing, but out of your hand, the possibilities are limitless. You remember that little boy with a sack lunch after Jesus preached a sermon? There were 5,000 men, not including women and children, and that little boy came up with that sack lunch, five loaves, and two fishes. In that boy's hand, it wasn't none but a lunchable. But when he put it in Jesus' hand, it fed 15,000 people on a hillside one day. What am I trying to say? In your hand, it's limited. But in God's hand, there is no limit to what God can do you gotta learn to put it in his hand I need a witness at 3.30 woo size of the seed is not a factor if God can multiply it wrote this down one sunflower seed which is what this is. One sunflower seed produces one sunflower. I ain't talking about these little dainty things you see next to the exit ramp laid over in the wind. I YouTubed how to harvest a sunflower. This big old frisbee looking thing was bigger than this kid's head. One sunflower seed produces one sunflower, one sunflower produces between 1,000 thousand and two thousand 2,000 sunflower seeds. You see the cycle? God said, I'll take one seed to produce one sunflower, and that one sunflower will produce 1,000 to 2,000. I wrote this down. Don't ever underestimate. A dollar in God's hand. There is no seed too small when it is given to God for Him to multiply it and use it. So, therefore, before I move on, let me say this rebuke the lie that your seed doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I give any of my time, it doesn't matter if I use my talent. It doesn't matter if I invest my money. It doesn't matter. Are you sure it doesn't matter? You're making that call based on the size of the investment. When you have a God that supplies it and is able to multiply it. My 30, if if, if you make 300 bucks a week, your tithe will be 30 bucks. If I was the devil, I would make you think, your $30 doesn't matter. Before COVID happened, and before we got evicted from our property, before our vans, went to crap, becoming cargo and carry vans, we used to drive to the Potter's House in Jefferson, Georgia and pick up a van load of those gentlemen and bring them to our church every single Sunday morning. And do you know that those guys acclimated and assimilated so well into our church body that many of them became volunteers and small group leaders and worship leaders and preachers? Do do you know... Do you know that our outreach coordinator, Michael McCrone, who will be here at 530, who leads worship and preaches at I Serve every month and will be preaching here in our services in May, do you know that I preached at the Potter's house one Sunday, and then he jumped on the van and followed me back to our church? Do you know how much it cost back then to fill up that van? 30 bucks. And there would be someone, I'm sure, in the room at that time, had I surveyed the audience, that would have said, my 30 bucks doesn't matter. Well, it mattered to him. And it mattered to every other guy that stepped off the van and found new life in Jesus. It mattered to those guys who left that program and graduated and found a church that they could call home. It matters. You say, it don't matter to anybody. Don't you dare put God in a box and say that your little seed can't make a difference. Because it matters to somebody, somewhere, someday. And you got to learn how to turn loose of what God gave you. Somebody help me clap your hands and give him praise. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just a little passionate. I'm passionate about believers understanding what this Bible teaches. And rebuking the lie of a deceiving enemy telling you that what you have to offer by time with your kids or a talent by way of volunteering or a treasure that you can invest in his kingdom through your church, that lie, that that doesn't matter, that's a lie. Don't don't underestimate the size of a seed. Secondly, don't ignore the sowing of seed. (laughs) Verse 10. Everybody all right? Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. Look at this. He multiplies your seed sown, which means the seed has to be So, the cleanup crew is getting real nervous. The seed has to be planted. The seed has to—you gotta let go. No sow, no grow. No sow, no grow. Seed can't do anything when it's in the bag. Seed doesn't do what seed's supposed to do if it stays in the bag. I I wrote this down God only multiplies seed that is sown. You can't be invested in something unless you're actually invested in something. I'll say it this way you're not invested. If you're really not invested, the seed has to be sown. But we have a propensity to live with it in the bag. God told me to tell you this don't live with it in the bag and don't leave with it in the bag. Y'all were helping me preach a while ago. Are we just processing? Are we chewing our sunflower seeds right now? It's okay. Don't live with it in the bag because if, if if the goal is living with it in the bag and leaving with it in the bag, you are choosing a full bag over a full barn. If you hold on to it, you'll have nothing but a full bag. But if you can learn how to let it go, see, everything that comes to you was meant to flow through you. You are not a reservoir. I visited the Dead Sea. Lowest point on planet Earth in Israel, the Dead Sea. The only thing down there is tourists and a bar. They got a bar, it's the lowest bar in the world. And tourists, Christians, how convenient is that? Visiting the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has no outlet. Therefore, everything collects, and in standing still water, everything is stagnant. And everything that's stagnant, there is no room for life. You are not a reservoir to collect what comes to you. You are a river to chan- to channel what comes to you. If you live with it in the bag and you leave with it in the bag, then when you stand in front of God, your bag will be your reward meaning your reward was here. Did you enjoy all of those things you had in this life? I hope so, God says, because that's your reward. But if you can learn how to take your time and your talent and your treasure and let it flow through you, what comes in the bag leaves your hand, and that, therefore, is waiting on you up there, and that is a full barn. Let me close with this. The seed has to be sown, and the seed has to have a sower. Seed doesn't plant itself. Somebody has to sow it. And you are the sower of seed, meaning it takes your seed. It takes your time. It takes your talent. It takes your treasure. And as a, what's this? What's this? Verse 6, as a sower, you determine your own harvest. Notice what it says in verse 6. I got it right here. Is that now? Go to, um, go to nine six. There it is. Look at this. Paul says, "He which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, but if you want to determine your own harvest, sow bountifully." And you reap bountifully. Do you know what kind of farmer will go out of business quick? The one who plants one seed and expects a harvest. But when a a farmer expects a harvest, he sows all he can. Because the more he sows determines the amount he will reap. I wrote this down. If you have been entrusted with God with all this seed... You must find good ground to plant what you've been given. Plant and ground, I'll close with this, that is proven to yield fruit. I respect a mature seasoned Christian who comes to a church for the first time and then a second time and a third time and they wait and observe and they try the Spirit's and they, they meditate upon what's being preached, and they judge the, the aim, the vision, and the mission of the church body before they start to give faithfully. Now, a mature, seasoned believer will give faithfully, but I appreciate the ones that come in, and they carefully observe and assess to make sure the ground is good for their seed. Now, I'm not saying that you, you shouldn't get in, plug in, and, 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 and put in, But what I am saying is there is some wisdom and maturity in sitting back and making sure, is this good ground? Are they preaching the gospel? Are people being discipled? Is there spiritual fruit? Is the Holy Ghost at liberty? Is this church healthy? Is it growing? Is there a clear vision and a mission? Can I belong here and be a part of what God is doing here? If that's good ground, plant where you see good ground. Let me say this. Sometimes people are good ground. Sometimes there's organizations that are good ground. Sometimes you have to understand that time with your children, time with your spouse, that's good ground to plant your seed. Sometimes understanding that you have resources and abilities that the church can benefit from. If you're in this room and you know how to lead worship and you've been gifted with a voice or gifted with musical ability, our worship choir, our worship team could benefit from your talent. If you're in this room and you have specific things you can do by way of creative elements and artistry and things like that, there are avenues and opportunities for you to plug in. See, you need to be asking questions. This is what I know how to do. This is what I've been familiar with. This is what I desire to do. Is there a place where I can plug in and put this to use with the children, with the teens, with the community? How can I use what I have? i got all this talent seed right here. Financially speaking, it doesn't have to be new grace. But you need to be plugged in and you need to be a part of God's church. And you need to take your seed and you need to look at your seed like a financial investment that God can multiply and start giving to a church that you believe is good ground. And watch God make it grow. Somebody clap their hands if you believe that. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted on Tuesdays.